0: great day already in the Lord and excited today we get to uh, see a young lady baptized after this next next, the next service and uh, it's always awesome to see the Lord uh, moving and um, just great blessings going on also tonight many of you already know but our October 31st outreach is right here in our parking lot so hopefully you have already signed up to help and gonna come and volunteer we're gonna uh, give out a lot of tracks and hopefully have several conversations with people about Jesus Christ and him being the hope. And uh, again, that's the whole reason why we have that. Last week, I just took a little time to, to share why we do what we do on October 31st. It's a, it's a good time of fellowship. It's, it's an enjoyable time. Uh, there's going to be some good hot dogs and uh, lots of candy and fun for the kids. But we are doing this specifically on this night for one reason and one reason only if we weren't able to give the gospel out we wouldn't do it uh, that's the reason we're doing it is to be able to give the gospel out and that is the the whole reason why we started doing these things and we want to continue to be that as long as the lord will allow us to do that and so um, again just a great great time plan tonight if you're a guest here this morning thank you for being our guest again we are so thankful that you're here with us uh, to worship the lord we've been studying uh, the church the first church if you will and going through verse by verse through Acts, and last week we saw Paul and Barnabas continue their journey on to Antioch, Pisidia. They moved forward to Antioch, Pisidia after they had experienced some great adversity, some great uh, opposition, and even some desertion from their own team. Some, somebody from their own team, personal close to them, said, see you later, it's not for me, I don't want to do this anymore, whatever he said, he went back to Jerusalem, went back to his hometown, to go back to his church that they sent, sent, out, sent him out from. Uh, but they he went back to his home church again. Um, they we talked all about that. hopefully we're here, you got that. but these these two men and the rest of their team continued on in the mission, um, sincerely obeying the commands of God. And we talked about that last week being such an important thing. One of the things that we saw they they observed was they went to this the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They went to church, if you will. They didn't take the Sabbath day off and and we talked about that too. they they, I mean, I, I don't know anybody in here who has gone uh, on this type of missionary journey. We've got, praise God, we got, I thought I saw him coming. in, yep, uh, our missionaries that travel all over the world. And you can hear stories about how exhausted they, they are and get. And uh, we've even traveled around the world literally one time. It's just exhausting to travel like that. Uh, but I don't think they've ever done what these guys have done and gone by ship slept on probably uh, just some some blankets and a in a in a uh, ship deck no no hotel stay no no places to to make arrangements on the internet for none of those things and and they were going at it without all the modern conveniences that we have today and, exhaust, and exhausted as they probably were again we talked about the fact that they didn't they didn't take a break and my, there, there's, there, we should all make sure that we have enough rest. We should make sure that we are getting the proper rest, that we are taking time uh, every day to spend with the Lord. And we're taking, I believe, every week uh, to set aside time, to spend time with quality time to rest and to worship God. And that's what these guys did. They, they did not take a Sabbath day off. They did not take a break from gathering with the people of God, from doing the work that God had called them to do. And I, I believe that even though they were doing this missionary work, even though they were going to regions unknown to them probably at the time, they, they didn't take a rest from all their work from God, and they didn't consider it was enough. And I, and I think there's, there's, a, there's a temptation that we, we fall into in our busy lives in, in this 21st century uh, of Christianity that, that we get so wrapped up and so busy in so many things and sometimes doing good things, doing things for the Lord that we feel like that maybe we've done enough for god that we've 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 done enough this week for god so we're just going to take take a break we're going to take a a skip day or, or whatever the case may be and these guys didn't do it they didn't miss out they didn't skip out and the question that that came to the the surface of course is why why would they after all of the stuff they were doing for god i mean they were they were preachers themselves they were missionaries themselves they were they were doing the work of God all the time. Why would they not just say, well, it's enough. I mean, we don't have to go to the synagogue this Sabbath day. I believe the overwhelming evidence, not just in what they're doing, but even in Paul's subsequent letters to the churches and believers, is that they had a sincere love for God. I believe that's what was driving their obedience. We talked about that a little bit last week um, in, in, in what Jesus said. We would do if we love him some might argue they they had to well that was their job they were preachers they were missionaries like i said that's what missionaries and pastors have to do today they can't do they can't just take a break they can't just skip out and I, i believe there are sadly some pastors and some missionaries today who only show up because it is their job it is because what they have to do in their minds and not their call not their love for god but again i believe paul and barnabas weren't in that category of men they weren't on salary from the church of antioch the, the church of antioch hadn't sent them with enough funds to sustain them throughout their whole missionary journey they were living by faith they were even living by their own abilities that god had given them to make money um, and again of course the generosity of others in other churches So they didn't go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day because they had to. They didn't go and worship and teach and preach because they had to do it for their job. They went, as we saw, should be the case for the children of God today, for us sitting in this room. The reason why you're here today, the reason why I'm standing here today, the reason why we should be doing what we're doing is out of a sincere love for Christ. I hope that you're here this morning because you love Jesus. I hope that you, because of that love for Jesus, it, it automatically, which is what Scripture says, produces a love for the brethren. And I love the body of Christ. I love the people of God. That should be in every child of God's heart. So well, I'm just struggling right now. Absolutely. We talked about that last week. They just had somebody desert them in their own family, in their own circle, in their own group. Somebody bailed on them, and yet they still said, Jesus is worth it. His body, his people are worth it. We talked about how we make it through family difficulties, right? with our spouses. We have discussions, and we won't call them arguments or fights or anything. We have discussions. Maybe we have disagreements. Sometimes our children don't always do what we want them to do. They don't always act how we want them to act. There's family members that we don't like how they treat the rest of the family. Of all those things, but out of all of that, what do we try to do in our families, our our, our biological families? We try to work it out. Try to move on to a better day, to a, a more reconciled, unified place as a family. And again, why do we have a different standard for the family of God? Why do we we treat the family of God who's who who we have blood that's eternal in us? The the blood of Jesus Christ has cleanses us, has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We we have something that's eternal in the family of God. And again, I believe that when we love Him, that love for the brethren is something that is pervasive. It goes through everything. I'm, I'm sad to to see and and hear even about some. sometimes the only time that people gather in worship or the only reason why they're serving the Lord is because they have to. And I believe when we get to that place, well, I have to go to church or I have to do this because I'm I'm serving today is when we make it about ourselves and not about the one who purchased us. So if you came today and you had to, or you're serving somewhere because you have to, I believe that you've made it about yourself and not the one who went to the cross to pay for the sins that you and I committed. we take our affections, we take our focus off of him, then we begin to wander in our minds. We begin to wander in our affections, our focus. Everything gets off, gets out of whack. Again, this, this affects our decisions. For these men here in our study, they go to the synagogue, and remember, they didn't just show up. And when they had the opportunity in the synagogue to serve, they did what God had gifted and called them to do. And that's important as well. They could have sat in the congregation. Uh, the the assembly there in the synagogue, and when when the the rabbi, when when they were done teaching, when they were done going through all the, the processes there in their worship service on that Sabbath day, Paul and Barnabas and their team could have got up and just left. They, they could have just said, you know what, we're tired. We don't want to say anything. We don't want to ask. People don't want to, I don't, I don't want people to ask us questions. I don't want to do anything else. We've been traveling. We're exhausted. We don't even know where we're going to sleep tonight. I guess we might go back to the ship and sleep. I have no idea where, they could have sat because others can be doing something. They, other people, I, we've done a lot already. Other people can do something for the Lord. But they didn't. God had gifted them, God had called them, they loved God. And so when the opportunity came, they, they served. Paul stood up and preached the gospel when he was given the opportunity. We saw that God moved and the people wanted more than the next Sabbath day. And, and I wanna pray this morning again and, and see what happens after uh, Paul does this. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for uh, what we've already experienced, just the time of praise and worship. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, to be here gathered as it's already been uh, uh, prayed to you and, and thanks given to you uh, for the freedom that we have to do so. Uh, Lord, we are we're so blessed and I pray that we in this moment would give you our very best. Lord, our, our very best spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, our, our whole self uh, submitted to you, allowing the spirit to, to show us, to teach us, to help us in this, in this time that we spend in your word. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just move in the hearts of every person here. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 44 is where we pick up the next Sabbath day. Nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Now, again, they go to church. They're asked, hey, do you have anything to say? Paul stands up, gives this amazing gospel presentation to all those Jews in that synagogue. And it was, it was fire. I mean, this was something that was uh, used of God. So much so that they were like, man, you got to come back next Sabbath day. You got to come back next week. You got to come back to church next week. This is awesome. This is amazing. And it says that the next Sabbath day, when when they were supposed to show back up, the whole, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. And how encouraging would this have been? for this missionary team. How, how encouraging would this, would this be for any missionary today or any pastor today, a dream? You show up in one week, again, you could talk about, how amazing would this be? You know, sometimes there's missions emphasis uh, that we had like last Sunday last Sunday evening and uh, mission conferences. And sometimes missionaries go and visit churches and, and churches know about it and, and people show up. And, and what if they were saying, hey, we come back next week and even more people showed up. That would be such an encouraging thing. It wasn't just a few people wanting more, but nearly the whole city shows up. The whole city you're trying to reach with the gospel comes back to, shows up to church and says, we want to hear the word of God. We don't want lights and shows and we don't want all this kind of stuff. We want to hear the word of God. What an encouragement. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming him. They were slandering him. They were, they were tearing him down, they were talking about him, they were doing all those things. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it's necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, talking to the Jews. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Wow, that's amazing. Paul, Paul gave them an indictment that they were giving themselves because they were rejecting the word of God, because they were rejecting the gospel, because they didn't like what Paul and Barnabas had to say about Jesus. He said, because you are rejecting this, you are judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. He said, check this out. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. Point number one this morning is obstacles and opposition must be seen or used as opportunities by faith. Again, this is yet another instance of this missionary team encountering some opposition, encountering adversity, encountering an obstacle. If you were here last Sunday night, Brother Ryan was sharing about that, about obstacles being turned into opportunities, something that is such an important thing for every person, every Christian, every leader to do is to see when we come up to an obstacle, not to view it as a roadblock, not to view it as something that stops us in our tracks, but as an opportunity, divine opportunity by faith. Romans chapter one verse sixteen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, this is what Paul said, and also to the Greek. And look what he says: for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The righteous man shall live by faith." Like I'm, I'm not doing what I'm doing right now for popularity. We as a church aren't doing what we do as a church for popularity. We, we, don't, we don't do it because we, we want to be cool or liked. We're, we're not doing any of that stuff. And, and I don't believe any Christian should, should be motivated by that. I believe the motivation in our life is the gospel. It's our love for the Lord. And that's what helps us live by faith. That's what, that's what he says. For in it, the righteousness of God is real from faith to faith. We are to live by faith. And when we come up to obstacles in our life, in our Christian life, We can't help but continue to move forward in faith. You have to ask yourself: Has something in my life knocked me off track? Has something in in my life become a distraction? Has something happened in my life to where it it has become an obstacle to not only intimacy with the Lord, but faithfulness in the gospel? Matthew chapter 24: Jesus told his disciples, Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and, and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Did you hear what he said? For my name's sake. Verse 13 in that same chapter, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's talking about that endurance, that perseverance, that that that, that steadfastness. The righteous shall live by faith. Paul would eventually write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3: indeed, all who live who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It was a promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. And now Paul, continuing on in that, wrote to to Timothy at the end of his life saying, look, if you desire to live godly, if you choose to live a a life of obedience on that path of righteousness, if you choose to live that way, you will be persecuted. And he says, what's going to happen is evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. They're deceiving and they're being deceived. But as for you, child of God, servant of God, minister of God, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. And how from, a ch- and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof. For correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Back in, in the, the, uh, the Gospels, the, the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I've, I've said these things to you that in me you might have peace, but in the world you have tribulation. Take, take heart. I've overcome the world so what does all, all, all this it, it have to do with? Well, how, how do I apply it to my life? Look, some of the most discouraging things that I've experienced early on in ministry is trying to witness to someone and getting to the very end of the gospel presentation with someone. And it seems like they're listening. It seems like that they're, they're, they're hearing the importance of the gospel message and then extending that offering to them to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and them rejecting it. If you've ever been there before, you know what it feels like. It feels like they're rejecting you. It feels like, man, when you're sharing the gospel with them, they've said, I'm lost. Yes, if they were to die, they would probably go to hell. They're admitting all these things. They're confessing all these things. And then you share the good news that Jesus paid their debt. Jesus paid for their sin on the cross. That he went to the grave and he rose again. And through Jesus and Jesus alone, they can have eternal life. And you get to the end of that presentation, that they're shaking their head. It all sounds good. And you say, "So, so, would you like to do that today? Would you like to to, to receive Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Would you like to have all your sins forgiven and have eternal life to spend it with God forever, not have to worry about the the, the punishment and destruction and the lake of fire? Would, would you like to do that? I, I would, would you, would you want to pray right now? No, not right now." like a dagger to the heart, why? Why do you not want to accept that free gift right now? Why do you not? Again, it's so discouraging, but in all things, sharing the gospel, serving the church, gathering and worship like we're doing right now, I want to say this morning, you have to determine who you're going for and why you're going, as I said this morning or earlier why are you here it has to be for him it has to be for your love for him why why do you serve it has to be him your love for him well why 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 are you going why are you continuing down the 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 christian path why are you continuing down a a life of obedience it has to be about him why again I, i think that's something that has to be asked is what is your why i've presented in here before i years ago um, shared a video that i came across from a man talking on leadership and the challenge in that talk that he gave was to determine your why and he was talking to leaders he was talking to business people and um, he was trying to redefine the mindset of how most people look at leadership and how most people look at business and and all those things but I, i i saw it it's, it's such a profound thing that is a spiritual thing. It, it, it's an important spiritual um, evaluation. You, I think you and I need to determine every single day what our why is. There's a, a, a fellowship, the BBF, and uh, specifically the North Texas, the fellowship of pastors here in North Texas, that uh, I shared that with them. And I told them I believe, you know, went around the room and what everybody said to our why, and I told them I, I think that our our why as pastors as believers needs to be sincere love. And if you're not driven by sincere love for the Lord, you'll fizzle out. You will, you'll get burnout. You'll not want to serve anymore. You'll not want to show up. If if it's not a sincere burning love for the Lord that you have, it just won't last. If you're doing it out of obligation, if you're doing it out of what you're supposed to be doing, well, that's what Christians do. Christians go to church. Something will come along. Sharing the gospel, well, I'm trying to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. No, no, no. Everything we do is supposed to be done with love, in love. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. We saw this last week, First John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's a great commandment is what it's called. Matthew 22, he said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then the second is likened to it. You should love your neighbors yourself. The truth is, when you and I are guided by love, sincere love for God, when that is what's guiding us, nothing else is more important. No one else is more important. Nothing else can get in the way. When we love God that way and we're guided by that, nothing can interrupt our, our love, our worship, our devotion to our, the love of our life. In that place of sincere love, you can, be, you can endure so much. You can be offended. You could, you could be hurt. You could be burned. So many things can happen when we operate in that place of sincere love. You, you can be disappointed like, like Paul and Barnabas were. You would be let down. You can even be opposed, like they were being opposed by these Jewish Jewish uh, Judaizers. But what were they doing? Why'd they keep going? Why do many of you in here, even though you've been offended, even though you've been hurt, even though maybe you've been opposed, maybe there are people in your own home that oppose you following Jesus Christ the way you are. Why do you keep going? I believe these men, and I believe many in, in here, are simply trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Operating in sincere love for God and for others. Again, they, they were doing it to the Jew first and also to Gentile. Not only based on their actions, but on, again, what the Spirit would inspire the Apostle Paul to write to the Romans. He said this For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ. For the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Do you realize what what Paul was saying to the Romans there? He said, look, I, I wish that all of Israel, I wish that all of the Jews would come to know Christ and I would be willing to be accursed and cut off for them. That's a deep love for Christ. That's a deep love for the Jews who were slandering him. That's what the Bible says. It said the Jews were slandering him. They were tearing him down. They were were making fun of him. They were were criticizing him. They were were defaming him. They were doing everything they could do. And yet he kept going to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. 1 Peter chapter 4, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Sincere love covers a multitude of sin. Again, when we let everything that we do be done in love, man, we can be offended, we can be slandered, we can be rejected, we can, we can be deserted. All those things can, can go on in life, just like it was for Paul and Barnabas, and we can still keep going. Love, First Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith, So as to remove mountains, I could have the strongest and greatest faith, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned for the sake of Christ, but don't do it in love, it profits me nothing. And he says this, love's patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, does not brag, it's not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly. Love doesn't seek its own, it's not selfish and self-centered, it's not provoking, it does not take into account a wrong suffered. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how, how we define love? But God gives us a clear definition of love. Well, approaching, approaching one another, approaching the, these Jews, Paul had, had a responsibility if he was going to operate in love, not to keep any record of any wrong, because that's what sincere love is defined by. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. So important. It bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It never ends. But if there are gifts of prophecy they'll be done away with eventually if there are tongues languages they will cease if there's knowledge it will be done away for we know on part and prophesy on part but when the perfect comes the partial will be done away when i was a child i used to speak as a child think as a child reason like a child but when i came a man i did away with childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly right now we can only see through the glass like a muddied glass right now it's 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 clouded but one day, face to face, now I know I'm part, but then I will, I will know fully just as I have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Number two in your notes is this, love must be our why in all things love must be our why in all things why are you here why do you serve why do you share the gospel why do you shine the light why are you coming tonight why are you being a part of of the things of God why do you do our our why in all things must be love coming off the heels of a, a wave of excitement I mean, they wanted to hear more. They came back next week. The the church was overflowing. synagogue was overflowing. They couldn't contain everybody. It says nearly the whole city shows up. And all of a sudden, the opposition rises up against these two missionaries. What do they do? Next town, all right, fine, whatever, next town. Next synagogue, we're leaving, going somewhere else. No, the scripture says, in the face of opposition— the obstacle of being contradicted and slandered, they spoke all the more boldly and said, we will press on. We're we're not we're not going to be all about us. We're not going to do what we want to do. We're going to press on in faith. Notice what Paul said also back in 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves. As I said a while ago, one of the most disheartening things early on in ministry was trying to witness to somebody and then them rejecting it. That's so difficult. That's such a difficult thing. It's so easy to make it about ourselves. And it's hard not to make it about ourselves. We have to remember the words, whosoever will, whosoever will, call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved it's a personal choice that each person has to take Uh, this past week in our adult connect group uh, we talked about the sovereignty of God an attribute that we can see we can believe Uh, it's 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 well known yet not fully grasped God is sovereign over all. If you're a child of God, it's, it's, it's such a it's, a, it's a blatant truth. It's, it's a blatant reality. Look in creation. God is sovereign over all and he is completely just. And those two, two things aren't separate from one another. They're married to, to one another. God is just and he is sovereign. He's never unjust in his sovereignty. And the reason why that is important to establish is because sometimes we look in the world and we see evil things happening. We see things in our mind as humans, even as Christians, that we think, well, that's not very just. Why does that happen? Why is that person put in authority? Why is that person allowed to get by with that? Why is this happening and and this not, there's no judgment in this at all? Again, God is completely just and completely sovereign. And that we say, man, if God is overall, I said this last week in our group when we were talking about it. The sovereignty of God should give every child of God absolute peace in life. Amen? Knowing that there's nothing out of God's control, there's nothing out of his hand. You, as a child of God, he knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. If he knows the sparrow falls to the ground, then he knows what's going on in your life. He's sovereign. But just because he's sovereign in control over all doesn't mean we take out the will of man as well because I believe that God in his sovereignty has afforded man a choice. Romans chapter 1, beautiful scripture, and I'm almost done, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Amen. That's what's going on again today in a major way suppressing of the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his sovereignty, his divine nature have been clearly seen. Just look out in nature. I mean, the fact that the sun rises and and, and the moon comes around and, and, and the world keeps spinning in the same place and revolving around the sun the same way That's amazing. It's mind-blowing. His power, his nature, clearly seen, be understood through, uh, through what has been made. Again, creation, so that they are without excuse, all mankind. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their, their speculations and foolish and their foolish heart was darkened. professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures in amazing nothing new under the sun. right? There's still people today worshiping the creation over the Creator. Therefore God gave them over the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them for they exchanged exchange the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator rather than the, crea- uh, the creature rather, rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever listen again nothing new under the sun do you get what's happening today well, there, there there there's this lie out there saying that there are not two genders that's a lie turning the truth of God, turning the creation of God. What, why are they doing that? They're worshiping the, crea- the creature over the creation, the, the creator. They are leaving off God and becoming gods themselves in their own minds. And it's for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions for their women, exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of a woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men for men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error and we see that today too and just as they do not see fit to acknowledge God any longer God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness wickedness greed evil full of envy murder strife deceit malice they are gossips slanderers Haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God that practice that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do not only not only do the same, but also give heartily approval, hearty approval to those who practice them. Therefore, You have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you'll escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness, intolerance, and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every person according to their deeds. And to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but, un- but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation is what awaits them. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. For all have sinned without the law, who will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law, for it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. The will of man, the ability under the sovereignty of God to either accept or reject him. God in his eternal foreknowledge has ordered all things according to his will, which includes the choices of man. It's not that man changes the will of God. It's not that we can say, oh, I'm gonna make God change his mind about this. It's that God is transcendent of time. He's eternal. He's not affected. He's not contained in the box that we call time. It brings the servant. It brings the soul winner. It brings the sons and daughters of God, as I said a while ago, great peace and joy, knowing that he is sovereign, knowing that we can serve him, that we go for him. We, we are his because of his good pleasure. He is in control. After this declaration of the opposition, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord, as many as been appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region. The Jews incited the devout women of prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Barna, Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. And so they obeyed the Lord specifically. In verse 51, they shook off the dust of their feet and protest against them and went to Iconium. This, the direct command of God is in Matthew chapter 10 verse 14. Notice what happens next. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And what a great thing. I'm done. What a great thing. In the midst of this persecution, being this, this opposition, this rejection, this fatigue, this labor for the Lord, on and on and on, they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that, Christian? Did you hear that, servant? Did you hear that, church worker? Did you hear that, leader? They were facing all of this junk persecution opposition rejection fatigue isolation they were laboring and it says in the midst of all of that they were continually filled with joy and the holy spirit it's like their love for god and their love for others produced sincere obedience and that enabled them to endure and i believe that we need to heed and follow what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, I believe that's what they were doing. Consider him in verse 3, who endured such contradiction against himself, so that you don't grow weary and faint-hearted. Let's follow the truth. Let's follow the examples before us. Let's make sure that we see op- op- obstacles and opposition as opportunities. And let's make sure that our why and our life is our love for God and our love for others. I believe if we do, we'll experience the same feeling of joy in the Holy Spirit in faithful service to God. I want to ask you this morning, are you struggling to find joy in serving God? Are you struggling to to, to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh? Are you, do you, listen, do you constantly feel like you're getting frustrated with mankind? Say amen. Just get me on the road and I get frustrated real quick. Hey, look, we were talking about this, this, I know I'm closing, but listen look there's something happening down the road down here they're putting in another roundabout i i've really began to learn as the older i get that's how god is growing me that that's one of the ways he is is when i get in a vehicle get me with other cars i can drive down the road just fine without any cars on the road but get people who don't use their blinker, and, and then get people not knowing how to go through a roundabout. And it really tests you, at least for me. But seriously, if, if you find yourself being frustrated with a brother or sister in Christ, if you find yourself constantly struggling to be filled with joy, if you're always feeling like you're, you're down and downtrodden and, and struggling to be faithful and find joy in serving God, Just really evaluate your heart this morning. Am I really doing what I'm doing because I love God? Am I really here this morning because I love Him more than anything? Am I really going to be here tonight and volunteer and serve because I really love God and I really want to make sure that people hear the gospel? Love has to be our why, it has to. And that's when we'll be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit just like these guys were. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you again for all you do in our life, Lord. We know that you give us examples, you've given us your word, so that we will heed and we will follow you and follow examples that you've given us. And I pray that we would do that this morning. And I know that uh, for me and many in here, Lord, we, we're tested on a daily basis. And, and it's in various ways. And and I know that there are, are sometimes uh, those instances where we are, maybe driving or uh, encountering somebody at our job or somebody out in the world and, and we can really uh, move from love and joy uh, to frustration and Lord I, I pray that as your people and especially this morning uh, God we would evaluate our life we would evaluate why we're doing what we're doing God that if we're not being motivated by love and that's why we're doing it that we would we would hit this altar this morning we would pray there in our seat And get that right because we know that if it's not love that's motivating us, then we're going to burn out. We're going to quit. We're going to be unfaithful. We're not going to be who we're supposed to be and definitely not going to be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray you just help us now as we respond to your word. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.